The WGA strike might be ending, but Hollywood's bigger problems aren't. The Writers Guild of America is in an understandably celebratory mood, as it ends one of the longest strikes in its history, having held firm and banded together with actors. To win significant concessions from the major studios and streaming services, details of the agreement remain undisclosed. But the WGA leadership called the three-year proposal exceptional, telling members the tentative contract, which must still be ratified, addressed concerns across its ranks, from movies to TV veterans to neophytes. The studios must still hammer out a deal with actors, but both labor and management have moved closer to putting this painful five-month chapter behind them, and Hollywood back to work. Yet that won't resolve the underlying challenges facing the entertainment industry that prompted the guilds to take this action, including wrenching change brought about by streaming. One reason some refer to this as the Netflix strike. While talent can take satisfaction in being better and more fairly compensated, the sobering truth is there might be fewer opportunities to go around, as the days of peak TV appear destined to give way to belt tightening and greater selectivity. Those cautionary notes shouldn't diminish what the writers and actors' unity accomplished, joined in the belief that they had to make a stand and address fundamental issues around streaming, including residual repayments for their work, and minimums about how many writers TV shows employ, to avoid going through this again in another three or six years. In that sense. The anonymous studio executive who talked to the website Deadline about prolonging the strike to make the guilds buckle under the weight of financial pain clearly miscalculated, coming across like a bond victim, and giving writers and actors bulletin board material to anger and motivate them. Whatever the outcome of this battle, though, there are signs Hollywood overall is losing the war. And the third vital part of the equation, consumers of entertainment, could come up on the short end if they're asked to pay more for the content they watch, while potentially receiving fewer options. Some of these issues were foreseeable, but other parts weren't. Streaming and a global pandemic. Which helped fuel the growth of streaming services, have combined to siphon money away from traditional television and theatrical moviegoing. Now, with streaming gains slowing, the revenues from those new subscribers aren't fully offsetting what's being lost. So while Hollywood can celebrate the success of Barbie and Oppenheimer this summer. Any the movies are back enthusiasm was dampened by the expensive tent poles intended to prop up the box office that flopped relative to their high budgets, including The Flash and 
Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Signs of other tensions surfaced in the form of carriage disputes between companies like Disney and Charter Communications over fees for cable channels, resulting in a temporary blackout of Disney-owned ESPN and other networks, as Charter fought to hold the line on costs amid a steady drip of cord-cutting by cable and satellite subscribers. As for writers' fight for greater transparency about streaming viewership so they could share in the success of hits, even that could be a mixed bag if, as Bloomberg's Lucas Shaw wrote, streaming services start becoming more cautious about their spending. That's bad for the creative class. So, were there winners and losers in the writers' strike? A few, though most come with disclaimers and asterisks. Taking inventory, the WGA. The slogan WGA Strong turned out to be more than a hashtag, as the Guild maintained its solidarity with help from SAG and other quadrants of the industry in fighting for what members view as fair pay. If the deal hastens the end of peak TV, though, that could mean less work and hollow out aspects of what looks like victory over time. The AMPTP. The member companies, including CNN parent Warner Brothers Discovery, saw their public images take a beating with the guilds effectively rallying support and painting their CEOs as bad guys in the public relations war. The studios did save money on production in the short term and could engineer more retrenchment in the months ahead. Oscar campaigns may be the clearest winner, with writers and actors declining to promote their work during the strike Publicists are surely salivating about the prospect of getting the latter back on red carpets before the stretch of year-end movies associated with awards season. Traditional TV. The major networks could ill afford to do anything to prompt viewers to seek their entertainment elsewhere, to the extent the strike left their full TV lineups looking relatively bare. This was a loss for them and a gift to the streaming services. Streaming. While they may have saved money during the stoppage, the WGA appears to have gained a key concession that will let them share in the success of streaming hits. The big question now, can streamers charge more or sell enough advertising to offset the slowing growth? The Directors Guild of America Perhaps the forgotten loser in the cycle, having quickly agreed to a deal with the studios in June, in a way that overlooked or ignored the momentum behind its guild brethren in agitating for more significant and historic change. Drew Barrymore and Bill Maher. Their announcements that they would bring back their shows without writers spurred hostility from those on the picket lines, Although each backed down and Barrymore issued an apology, will there be lingering effects in terms of guest bookings? Probably not, but stay tuned. The Consumer There wasn't a noticeable shortage of entertainment content 
during the strike, but after a 146-day production break, there will be some spacing out of movies and TV shows in the months ahead. The real bottom line, we're all almost certainly going to be asked to pay more for what we watch, wherever and however we watch it. Double amputee migrant crosses Rio Grande in a rubber ring. Maria Argentina, 32, among latest group to reach American border amid surge in crossings. A double amputee from Honduras has been pictured trying to traverse the Rio Grande River along with her child as crossings at the US-Mexico border soar to near record levels. Maria Argentina, 32, was among dozens of migrants who arrived at the frontier over the weekend. She was pictured crossing the Rio Grande in a rubber ring carried by a group of men. Her daughter, Natalie Virginia, was also carried across the body of water at the border point in Eagle Pass, Texas. The pair were reunited after the crossing with an infant seen sitting on her mother's lap as they rested by a gap in barbed wire fencing. Thousands of people have arrived in recent days at various border points in Texas with few blimp longings fleeing political regimes or in search of economic opportunities. The U.S. reported that 232,972 migrants had reached its southern land border in August, an increase on figures recorded in previous months. The number of migrants caught crossing illegally or presenting themselves at legal border crossings had steadily risen after dropping in mid-May, straining the capacities of U.S. border cities. President Joe Biden has worked to reduce migration by targeting economic development in Central America's so-called Northern Triangle, which includes Honduras, Guatemala, and El Salvador. No Sea of Death. Pope calls for pan-European action on migration. Marseille, France. Pope Francis on Saturday condemned belligerent nationalisms and called for a pan-European response to migration to stop the Mediterranean where thousands have drowned from becoming the graveyard of dignity. Immigration issues dominated his 27-hour trip to Marseille, a French port that for centuries has been a crossroads of cultures and religions. On Friday, he said migrants who risk drowning at sea must be rescued, because doing so was a duty of humanity and that those who impede rescues commit a gesture of hate. Francis doubled down in a long speech on Saturday morning when he concluded a church conference on Mediterranean issues. There is a cry of pain that resonates most of all, and it is turning the Mediterranean 
the Mar Nostrum from the cradle of civilization into the Mar Mortum, the graveyard of dignity. It is the stifled cry of migrant brothers and sisters, he said, using Latin terms meaning R.C. and Sea of Death. On the flight to Marseille on Friday, Francis was moved as he was shown a picture of a migrant child by Reuters photographer Yara Nardi. The photo was a close-up shot of the eyes of 18-month-old Prince, who, with his mother Claudine's Nassau, had arrived by sea on the tiny Italian island of Lampedusa from North Africa. President Emmanuel Macron, other government officials, and European Central Bank President Christine Lagarde attended a papal mass on Saturday afternoon for 50,000 people who packed the city's velodrome stadium. Authorities said another 100,000 lined his route to the stadium. Left-wing politicians have criticised Macron over his decision to attend the mass, saying it violates strict separation of state and faith, known as laïcité. He said he was attending out of respect for the Pope. At the conference on Saturday morning, Francis called on people to hear the cries of pain rising from migrants seeking a better life. How greatly we need this at the present juncture when antiquated and belligerent nationalisms want to make the dream of the community of nations fade, he said. He did not name any countries. Governments in several European countries, including Italy, Hungary and Poland, are led by outspoken opponents of immigration. The Pope also contested those who characterise migration as an invasion, saying it is a long-term issue that would have to be met with compassion. He called for an expansion of legal paths to immigration, with emphasis on accepting those fleeing war, hunger and poverty, rather than on preservation of one's own well-being. According to UN refugee agency UNHCR, about 178,500 migrants have come to Europe via the Mediterranean this year, while about 2,500 died or went missing. While Francis has said often that migrants should be shared among the 27 EU countries, his overall openness towards migrants, including once calling the exclusion scandalous, disgusting and sinful, has riled conservative politicians. The Pope, who is returning to Rome after the Mass, began the day by visiting a centre for the needy in Marseille's Saint-Marin district, one of France's poorest, run by the Order of Nuns founded by Saint Mother Teresa.